mission, I'ma get it. You know I be on the way. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fight Against Mediocrity podcast. We have a super special guest today that you are for sure going to take away um, tons of gold gems and also just get your notepads ready because you're going to have a you're going to have a sore wrist by the end of this writing down all the different things you're going to learn from. So Paul Getter um, has worked with some of the most known celebrities and online personalities in the world, such as Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Les Brown, Lewis Howes, Tim Story, on and on and on and on. Um, but Paul didn't start out that way. He was broke and struggling and trying to make ends meet delivering phone books out of the back of his 1996 Dodge Caravan. So I'm going to leave it kind of a cliffhanger there. And this podcast is going to be how he went from that to uh, where he's at today. So welcome, Paul. Man, I do not miss that 1996 Dodge Caravan. <laughs> uh, th thanks for having me, Kevin. Pleasure to be on your podcast, bro. Of course, of course man. Hey, uh, I want to start off with maybe a, a random question. The bow okay. tie. I love the bow tie. You're always wearing a bow tie. Tell me about that. Oh, okay. So um, a lot of times people, they ask, you know, how did you come up with this nerd brand? I'm like, it's not a brand. It's like really who I am. I'm a nerd. <laughs> you know, I was always a nerd. I was playing around with computers when they first came out. Just tech, just, I, I was a nerd. And so I always kind of had this unique style of dressing with kind of like vibrant jackets. I got like cool shoes and everything. I used to wear a regular tie, you know, just the, the stereotypical necktie. And one time I uh, was meeting up with a friend of mine and the outfit, I don't know, the jacket, you know, of course the glasses and um, the shoes he says, he's like, bro, man, you are like full on nerd today. And he said, you just need a bow tie. And I was like, oh, you know, that's pretty funny. So the next time that I saw him, I wore a bow tie just to be annoying. You know what I mean? Just to be yeah. like, okay, here's your bow tie. Yeah. And he's like, man, I like it. It looks good. I, I like it. And I don't know what happened that day, but we got a good deal or, or something like that. And the joke was, oh, it was the bow tie. The bow tie brought luck. And yeah. Ever since then, I've worn a bow tie. And how long has that been? That's hilarious. Man, that's been over 10 years. Over wow. 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, it's so funny because I read a book recently called Thought Leaders, and it talks about how each thought leader has their brand. You know, Seth Godin has his bald head. You know, you'd recognize yeah. it anywhere and, and all that <laughs> stuff. So it got me thinking like, yeah, I mean, how, what, how do I create my style, my brand? But it's so funny as I talk to more and more people, it's almost... It just happens by accident. Most yeah, of the time. yeah. I tried the bald head. It didn't work for me. Um, no, I'm kidding. But yeah. you, it, it is, you know, I see um, it was not brand intentional. It wasn't like, oh, let me, you know, this will go great with my brand. You know, it was just um, put it on and it happened. And it just, it's been that I've had jump on calls with people and they're like, Oh, it's the bow tie guy. It's like, they don't even know my name. It's the bow tie guy. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's probably a lot of good luck. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Hey, well, let's, let's start from the beginning more or less, you know, tell us, um, from 1996 in the, in your, uh, favorite Dodge caravan, how you <laughs> ended up where you're at. Talk, talk us through that journey. Well, well, I, I'm, um, sorry to disappoint you. The Dodge caravan actually died died engine oh, blue transmission died and yeah we were delivering phone books me and my family were delivering phone books out of that uh minivan and um 
you know, it's like, I, I say that there's probably some people don't even know what a phone book is. He was like a phone book. But so we were delivering phone books. I think $50 a night is what we got like three or four hours to deliver a bunch of phone books and got $50. And it was, uh, is a struggle bus. And I I've always kind of had this entrepreneur mindset. I mean, anybody that'll deliver phone books for money, yeah. you know, is, is someone that'll like do whatever it takes. And it, back in the early mid nineties, you know, social media, the phrase internet marketer, digital marketer, it did not even exist. So it's, it was all new, but I found myself, uh, I graduated college in, um, uh, around 95 and while I was in college, you know, early nineties, I was building online networks for the college, which this was the, this was pre-internet. Yeah, this was pre-Facebook. Yeah, this is pre-Facebook and stuff. And it was the day like when you would go on the internet, you'd have to go through your phone. And so those were the days. So I was, I was always tech savvy minded. And then when the internet started to become more widely accepted, um, I, I started building websites and things like that for local businesses. And it, it was a tough sell because, you know, you go to business and you say, Hey, you need to be online. They're like, uh, I'm in the phone book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the phone book. That's enough for me. I'm on the radio and, and things. So, but, uh, I, I, I was kind of early adopter for websites and stuff. So I'd help businesses, you know, launch their websites and then I guess it was probably around, you know, early 2000s, shortly after Facebook launched. When Facebook first launched, it was only accessible to college students. And one of my friends was going off to college and they said, hey, Paul, jump on Facebook so we can stay connected. And they gave me a college email so I could log in and I could set up an account. And it was just like, that was the cool kid's way of staying connected is through Facebook. I never heard of it. And I, and I got on Facebook and I remember my initial response was like, I don't have time for this. This is for kids. I, I can't waste my time. But as Facebook began to evolve and they opened it, it up to the public, there was again, the opportunity for businesses to put their business online. And I started playing around with it. And I, you know, I had Facebook pages that I built as a hobby, as fun, just like build a community just for fun. And then I decided to launch a Facebook page for our church. And I remember it was a couple of weeks after I did that, I went to church and there was a new family there. And I said, how did you hear about us? And they said, oh, we saw you on that Facebook thing. And it was like, whoa, these are real people that really came from this Facebook thing. And so I, it, it, was, it was an opportunity that I saw. So I started to reach out to mom and pop restaurants, ice cream shops, things like that in the community. I'm like, hey, I'll set up your Facebook page and you can get people on Facebook. And I did it really cheap because I was just like, seeing if this would work. And it worked. And again, this is before the years when everybody and their mom and dog was, you know, a social media marketer. Yeah. Um, so I just saw and I began to do that for local businesses. And um, being in at an early time, I started testing Facebook ads. 
uh, I was actually a beta tester for Facebook, testing their ads and stuff. Like they would give me money to just test ads and find bugs on their on their platform. If you if you logged into my Facebook at that time, it looked completely different than everybody else's Facebook. I remember I logged in one time. One of my friends was there. And um, he said, why does your Facebook look like that? That is so strange. I said, oh, Facebook is having me test out stuff for them. And so I was running ads and wow. testing things and uh, before the ad platform was even available to the public. Wow. And what, wow, that's crazy. And so I guess I'm, I'm like hooked. Keep going with the story. And so how did you end up working with people like Grant Cardone? Okay. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm doing this in, and, and again, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, realistic about it. Uh, Cause some people are like, Oh man, you must've been brilliant. must've been genius. I was, there wasn't a whole lot of people doing this, yeah. you know? So it, it's, that gave me an advantage. I remember thinking nobody in the world is doing this. I'm like, nobody is doing these Facebook ad things and stuff. And so I started doing lead generation for bigger, bigger businesses. Uh, I remember one time I was listening to XM radio and I heard this advertisement for this financial consultant guy and it's blah, 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 you know, go to my website and get my book for free. And I, I'd hear it two or three times a day, a one minute advertisement on XM radio. And I, I remember one time I went to this guy's website. And I was like, this website is horrible. And this guy does not know what he's doing. All he's doing is radio ads. I called up XM radio and I said, how much does it cost for a one minute advertisement on you know such and such channels? And they said $3,000. And I realized I'm like, this guy is spending at least $9,000 a day for this ad and he's sending it to a website that's horrible he's not doing anything on social media so i reached out to him and i said look you um there's huge opportunity for you to run ads on social media you need to do this and he's like ah, not interested we do radio we're doing great and shut me down real quick well i, I remember I, I found his um facebook profile and I started going through his profile, found out where he lived, found out that he liked this band, found out that he was married, found out he was this age and all that. And I set up an ad and I took a picture from something. He was at Disney World with his family and he's wearing a goofy hat. And I made an ad that had a that picture of him wearing a goofy hat. And um, I put his name on the ad. I was like, hey, Bob, this is Paul. I'd love to set up a call with you. And I launched that ad and it was targeting him. It's targeting him with all so of those. You could do that back in the day. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Person. And, and you can, you can still do it today. If you yeah. narrow it down, it's like maybe not just one person, but I knew that give it a day or two, that ad was going to hit him based upon, you know, it was like this ad is targeting less than a hundred people. You know, it's going to hit him couple days later he sees that ad he clicks on it sends me a message he said paul this is really creepy but i want to talk and so i jumped on a call with him and uh uh locked in one of my biggest deals that i ever made you know it took a portion of what he was doing on radio he gave it to me and next thing you know i'm, I'm doing big stuff 
Well, one thing leads to another. I'm working with these people in California. I'm working, in, you know, for these bigger companies. And uh, it's my understanding that one of these guys went to a barber shop and was in there. His barber was asking him, you know, how are things going? He's like, man, I hired this kid over in Florida. And he's been doing this Facebook stuff for me and things are blowing up and things are just really growing. And he was really excited about it. Well, the next person to sit into the barber chair was Ty Lopez. And Ty was like, tell me more about this guy. And that conversation started. And uh, next thing you know, um, Ty's brother, his name's Ben, um, gives me a call up. He's like, tell us more about what you're doing and everything. And I just, I, I, I started looking what they were doing. And again, this is the early days when people were running ads. There used to be the ability that when you would set up an ad, you would just push a button and Facebook would auto-populate an ad for you and make wow. an ad. It was horrible. It was just like, it would grab this picture, make up these words and, and do this. It performed horrible. Um, but nobody really knew about how to do the back ends, customize the ads. But since mm -hmm. I'd been testing it for Facebook, I knew the how to do that. So I looked at their ads and I said, yeah, I can probably cut your cost by, you know, 90%. It, they, uh, they were getting clicks for like a dollar a click. And I said, yeah, I think I can get it down to 10 cents a click. And they're like, no, no, it's not possible. It's not possible. And I said, yeah, I actually knew that I could get it to less than a penny a click because I was running ads that very similar to theirs. I could get, I could get 10 clicks for a penny. This is the days. This is these wow. days are long gone now, but yeah. I could get 10 clicks for a penny. And uh, so of course they were in disbelief and stuff. And I don't know, a couple hours later they called me up. They're like, hey, can you fly out to Beverly Hills tomorrow? And well, I flew out there, showed them what I was doing and stuff. And they said, when can you start? And um, I said, well, you know, as soon as I go back to my hotel, set the ads up. And I remember I went back to the hotel, set the ads up, sent a screenshot over. And I'm like, okay, you're no longer getting it a dollar a click. You're getting it for five cents a click now. And I said, as soon as things optimize, it will be down to less than a penny a click. And, you know, that started a, a pretty long, fruitful relationship with Ty Lopez. Wow, that's awesome. And then I'm sure it just it, well, you know how it is. And, and the, yeah. so in in the in this world in this time, there was a lot of successful entrepreneurs, guys like Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, that they were course creators, they were coaches, they had great offline businesses, but they hadn't really successfully transitioned to a robust platform online. And so that's where I was at the right place at the right time and had the right skill sets. Yeah. And when you say that's like your specialty when it comes to online marketing, is that course creator niche? Yeah, sure. So we've, we've been blessed to work with a lot of amazing coaches, consultants, experts, build their personal brand, establish themselves as an authority, build their course, and then monetize it. I've got, I've got coaching students that are making a million dollars a week. Um, selling their courses and stuff. So, so yeah. And, and that when they came to us, they were making zero a week, you know, so, you know, the right offer, the right, uh, you know, audience and everything like that, you know, a lot of things are possible. Yeah. Well, that, that takes me into my next question. You know, we're talking, obviously everyone's listening to this is the same sentiment of someone listening to 
someone who's in been in real estate for 20 years. They're like, man, uh -huh. if I would have just got into real estate 20 years ago. Sure, sure. And so, yeah. you know, that's probably what some people are thinking like, oh yeah, if I would have yeah. got in when Paul got in, but like, what advice would you give to um, someone who's trying to break into the uh, online marketing scene and, and create a course and be either be a coach or just run ads for their own business? Like what advice yeah. would you give them today with the competitive market? Yeah. I would say this, it's getting easier and easier and easier to do. Uh, in, what, what, what I mean by that, I mean, you've got techno technology like chat GPT yeah. that I can, I, can, um, I can write my own copy. Yeah. And obviously, I think a professional copywriter is going to do a better job. But getting started, you can say to chat GPT, write me an ad about blah, 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 and give it the details. And it'll do a good job. You know, it yeah. does it, you know, you just put your personal flavor into it. So you've got things like that. You can say, how do I set up an ad? There, there's a lot of different things. I think that there's coming a point for the guy that is really, really good at running ads, really good at writing copy. There's going to have to be something that differentiates them besides that skill set, because the rate that AI is growing in, you know, evolving, that just being able to say, I'm an amazing copywriter does not differentiate you. So that's going to be something where personal skills, relationship, community, you know, personal brand, things like that are going to become more and more important. But it's, it's a cool world. Like I've, I've met kids that are 18 years old, 17 years old that are making six figures running ads, or, you know, doing something like that. So it's like, it's amazing. You can learn so much. So I think some advice that I would give for individuals is try to find one of those uh, high, high value skill sets that you can utilize online. Sometimes the danger is I'm going to try to learn everything and do it all. Well, that's, you know, when I got started, that was the only thing I knew how to do. I, I was my graphic designer. I was my copywriter. I was the advertiser. I was I was doing it all. Uh, but if you can learn one specific skill set and become the best at it, whether it's Facebook ads, TikTok ads, YouTube ads, copywriter, you know, one of those skill sets and hone in on it and become the best at it, it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for you. Hmm. And would, you know, if you were starting over today, is there one that you would pick or is it, hey, just pick one and become the best at it? Um, I, I, I would kind of, you know, uh, struggle with number one, a copywriter, because a copywriter is a skill set that helps so many different industries and you're, you're so versatile in it, that or sales, you know, becoming a, a great salesperson. Um, overall, I mean, if I would look back and change things that I would do, I would say invest in your personal brand as much as possible, even if it's, you know, spending ads, doing like what you're doing, a podcast, invest in your personal brand because the value of a personal brand, it, it gives you longevity, it gives you legacy, it gives you, you know, loyalty. There's so much value in building a personal brand that people will work with you that won't work with me because of your personal brand, who you connected with, that reputation, all of those things. So invest in your personal brand. Wow. That's really smart. That's really good advice. I actually want to 
in a second dive into that um, because you have a great personal brand. You know, you're modest, but you have a phenomenal personal brand. I appreciate um, that, man. Thanks. So it's funny that you say sales or copywriting. I, in my mind, copywriting is basically written sales, right? Like sales yeah. in written form. Yeah. And yeah. So it sounds like sales is super important. And I'm a big, like, um, you got to learn sales. Like sales is the, like, that's what I, I love, you know, telling my clients that like, you have to learn sales. And it's funny because, um, never really talked about this a lot, but when I first started, I had a lot of like, Hey, learn sales. Sales is the greatest mm -hmm. skill. Da, 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 da. But I found that it turned a lot of people off because they're like, I don't want to be a slimy salesperson. Yeah. But yeah. you know, in your mind, why is sales so important and why should it be the number one skill someone learns? Yeah. So when I was about 14 years old, I was, um, I don't know, you might have to bleep this word out. I was a telemarketer. Um, bleep. <laughs> I was a telemarketer. There, there was a timeshare here in Southwest Florida that we would call up, I don't know, hundreds of people um, on our shift. Hey, my name is Paul Getter. You know, uh, you've won a free trip, three days, four nights to the Bahamas, you know, and, and we would pitch them into visiting a timeshare. And I became really good, 14 years old. I was wow. one of the top guys in wow. the little boiler room. And, uh, you know, they would give us bonuses for hitting certain things. I, I was doing really good, but it taught me a, several things. A lot of things when it comes to sales is learning how to overcome objections and learning how to handle rejection. You know what I mean? And that's something, you know, is applicable for a lifetime in in business and personal life and learning how to um, deal with it. You know, the connotation that uh, sales is, is slimy or it's like, I don't like sales. I think, I think maybe that is based upon because people have had a bad experience with, you know, an unethical salesperson, someone yeah. that took advantage of them and stuff like that. But I always say this selling is helping. Yeah. Selling is helping. Um, I'll give you a little um, uh, scripture background. There's a yeah. scripture in, in Proverbs. It says this. It says, he that hath wheat and withholds it shall be cursed. But he that hath wheat and sells it, the people shall bless him. Mm. Interesting. Interesting wordage of how it says that. Because it could have said, he that hath wheat and gives it away yeah. shall be blessed, but it says sell. So here's, here's one thing that you have to understand that uh, when it comes to selling, people don't value something that they receive for free. So if I just give it away for free, then they're not going to value it. It becomes valueless. But then secondly, if I want to help more people, I have to put a price tag on my product or services. If this man just gives the wheat away for free, he can't get hire more farmers. He can't grow more wheat. He can't feed more people. So, so I think when you have the motive, the desire to sincerely help and serve and add value to people, then selling is authentically, I'm really helping people. I remember when COVID hit and I had coaching students and clients of mine reach out to me and they're like, Paul, man, this is a weird time. You know, should we stop selling? And I paused for a moment and I understood what they were trying to say. Like, you know, should we stop selling because, you know, people are going through hard times and stuff. And I asked them this, 
I said, does your product or service really help people? Does it solve problems? Does it impact lives? Does it change people? Does it give them tools they need to overcome their problems? If yes, keep selling because selling is helping. If it doesn't, stop. Stop selling. Matter of fact, you should have stopped selling a long time ago. Yeah. So this is just, you know, solving a problem for everybody. So selling is helping. Totally. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I love that so much. Um, and kind of going back a little bit, you talked about personal brand. Um, you know, I guess the simple question is how did you build your personal brand? Obviously, you know, I'm talking to you and, and you're probably thinking, well, you don't understand how hard I've worked to get it here, <laughs> but you know, what are, what are some of the things that helped you build such a impressive personal brand? Man. Well, first of all, thank you very much for that compliment. I, um, I think I still kind of find myself in shock when I'll walk through the airport or something like that. And someone will come up to me like, Hey Paul, you know, I follow you on Instagram or, you know, something like that. I'm like, really? You know, well, that's, that's cool. And so it's, it's funny that, you know, that's, that's what personal brand is, is like people recognize you people, you've got eyeballs on you, people know, like, and trust you. And to go back and say, okay, this is how I, I did it. Um, it, it, it was something that I wish I would have started doing sooner because I had, I, I had an Instagram out there. I had stuff, but I was, I think I was like kind of so busy it's kind of like the painter painting everybody else's houses and I wasn't painting my own, you yeah. know, working with these big name brands and helping them. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to work with some of these guys when, when they first got online, they had, you know, a very small following. Now they've got millions of people following. They do conferences with tens of thousands of people. And I've kind of seen them grow in that. And um, by all means, I'm not saying that credit me for that because um, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying I've seen tools and principles that maybe I had a small role in and I, I helped point them the right direction in and, and other people and other avenues played a, a role too. But uh, I, I think that there's a, a few key principles that you can, you have to get a hold of is number one, uh, not everybody's going to like you not 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 every, not everybody's going to follow you and if you're trying to reach everybody you end up reaching nobody so you kind of have to hone in on what your own personal voice your message and who that idea you know follower avatar of person is and then just be very hyper passionate about that uh, there is somewhat of a of a of disconnect on who you are offline in real life and in person so you almost have to uh emphasize those attributes those characteristics mm -hmm. that can be caught by people online um so so really focus in on that and and understand this is that it's not always how many followers you have but it's about what are the level of passion and the enthusiasm and the the real connections that you're making with people and be just be authentic at who you are like uh, there i'll, I'll kind of explain some of the challenges that i had and like there was kind of like sincere insecurities like like this i had i've had people tell me i can't take a guy serious that has marvel superheroes 
I can't work with a guy like that. I'm like, okay, maybe I should stop the whole superhero thing and everything like that. I'm like, that's who I am. You know what I mean? I'm a comic book collector. I like Marvels. I'm like, so I'm not going to change who I am. But now, since I've, I've, a lot of the people that I work with, you know, we'll talk about, oh, did you see this movie? And like, we have that sincere connection based upon that. Um, My faith, you know, I, I share my faith online and, um, and, and there's hesitation. Well, if, you know, I talk about God, people are not going to want to work with me. I realize, like, you know, if a person doesn't want to work with me because I talk with God, you know, I talk about God, I probably don't want to work with them either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's just like, be who you are. You're not going to connect with everybody and then just be consistent. Be consistent about putting out content. If at all possible, put money behind it. Um, you know, there's like, I call them the vegans of online. They're like, oh, I want to do everything organic. Just want to do it organic. Well, putting ads behind it is just, <laughs> putting ads behind it is just speeding up what is happening organically. So yeah, tell us about that. What When you say, uh, I'm by no means an ad expert, but are you saying like um, run your posts for um, engagement? Is that what you're saying? Or sure, you saying- yeah. So I, I could give you just a, a small tip that would, you know, when you look back a year from now, if every good video that you did, you put a $10 um, boost behind it, targeting your audience. You do that, you are going to see results from that. Mm. You're going to see the quality of follower mm. you're wanting. You're going to see that. Um, obviously, there's ways that you can build funnels that that generate income that you know some of these biggest brands that's been the critical component behind their growth is they have a funnel that is generating revenue and they take that revenue and they put it back into it so it's like i always tell people if you can run an ad that breaks even do it for the rest of your life yeah. you know what i mean and spend as much money as possible in yeah. it. Yeah. And that comes down to like you have to have a good offer, right? And so you work with a lot sure. of different people, you see a lot of different offers. Um in your mind what makes um an offer you know phenomenal that just sure. really does really well. Yeah, you, you know, so that's a great question because there's a few different components that actually make, you know, a bad offer and a good offer. Um, I kind of like to give the analogy of a, um, serving a nice dinner. Let's say that you have an amazing steak. It's delicious. It looks good. That's your offer is that steak. You've got an amazing steak. Uh, if you put that steak on a dirty plate and there's mold around it and everything like that and you put that in front of person that steak is delicious your offer is delicious but the way you present it is bad people aren't going to eat it well you you can have well number one if your steak's bad if your offer's bad it doesn't matter what you do with it um you can have a great steak and the plate looks good but if you don't serve that plate at the right time, if you put a steak in front of me for breakfast, 
I'm not going to eat it. I want a bowl of cereal. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) So, so your timing. So I've seen a lot of people, they got a great offer, great presentation funnels and everything like that. But then when they try to launch it, it doesn't do good. It's like, well, it could just be the timing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's stuff that worked before COVID that didn't work during COVID. And there's stuff that didn't work um, after COVID, you know, so it's just like, things and timing mm-hmm. and everything like that um and then man if if you got a nice steak a nice plate the right time and you put it in front of a person that is i hate to use the vegan analogy again but <laughs> but you put a steak in front of a vegan you have the wrong audience you know what i mean you have the wrong audience so you have so all of those components when they align right that makes a good offer yeah. So yeah, it sounds like it's definitely not. I have nothing against vegans, by the way. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying <laughs> vegans, but <laughs> hey, yeah, we're not we're not sponsored by any beef company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> brought to you by Vegan Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I did actually want to touch on spirit. Um, what do, what role has God played in your business? Man, I so right around this same time. It, some people know this, some people don't. I'm a full-time pastor. Oh, wow. I, pre- I didn't know that. I preach every Sunday, every Wednesday. Wow. And um, I've traveled around the world, missions, trips, and um, things like that. Uh, preached my first sermon when I was about 17 years old. My dad was a pastor. My um, dad did prison ministry and things like that. Wow. And um, so I started, I started young, had a crazy life growing up, but when I was about 17, 18 years old, gave my life to the Lord and, um, went to Bible college, uh, got a degree in theology and that I, I got a degree from theology. And I remember applying for jobs and they're like, theology, is that the study of rocks? I'm like, no, no, that's geology. Uh, <laughs> And so I began to lean on my nerd side of things, but uh, at about the same time that we launched the internet marketing nerds, as far as a consultation firm, an agency, I started a church and started out as a little home Bible study, uh, 10 people. And I told God, I, I said, God, if you bless my business, I will use this to for fuel for the ministry. A lot of times, nonprofits, ministries, one of their biggest struggles is that financial barrier. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I want to go on a mission trip, but I got to take up an offering, and it's you know this constant struggle of money. I never wanted to be in that place where, you know, I was dependent upon the church or taking up an offering. So I said, God, if you bless. Um, this business, I'll use it for ministry and to serve and to help others. And in my mind, I kind of saw my business, the marketing and, and what I do now as provision for the vision. You know what I mean? And so I've been blessed. Like, man, if I want to go on a missions trip to Haiti, I don't have to take up an offering or beg or do anything like that. I'm like, just go. And so I've uh, served on boards of many nonprofits and stuff. And, you know, I, I attribute my success uh, to my relationship with God. Um, The Bible says that God gives us the gift to create wealth. God gives us the gift to create wealth. There is, I know growing up as a kid uh, that there was this, 
I don't know, this challenge where I felt as being a Christian that I wasn't allowed to have money. You know what I mean? That yeah. is like, oh, you know, money's evil, you know, be careful and everything like that. And I remember as I began to grow in this marketing space, one of my first big clients had this big multi-billion dollar company that we were doing stuff for. And again, I'm still this young guy just trying to figure it out. And he invited me out to dinner one time and we were sitting down in this restaurant. And I remember the first thing that I noticed is when I opened up the menu and I looked at the menu and there was no prices on the menu. And my parents always taught me, like, you know, if someone's treating you for dinner, don't buy the most expensive thing on the menu. And so I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what the most expensive thing in the menu is and not order that. Yeah. And so I remember I, <laughs> I um, leaned over to him. I said, sir, um, where are the prices on the menu? And he was an older guy from Tennessee. And he said, Paul, people that come to restaurants like this aren't concerned about prices on the menu. I was like, OK. <laughs> and he's like, get whatever you want. I'm like, oh, OK. And um, he, a lot of times people thought he's a preacher because he's very vocal about his faith. He said, Paul, I always hear these preachers talk about, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the first, not the last. He said, you know, the same scripture also says you will be the lender and not the borrower. He said, how are you going to be a lender if you're broke? Yeah. And he said, the scripture also says that we are going to, we are supposed to help the poor. How are we going to help the poor? <laughs> If we're poor. And I remember when he said that, I was like, he's so right. And it kind of gave me a spiritual relief because I saw the business growing and there was like this hesitancy, like, wow, it's doing really good. Am I doing something wrong? Am I, you know, is it? And um, so I, I think that, and I just posted something about this recently. Um, it, I think it I saw said, it, yeah. It said, um, it's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's what, what you do with money determines, is it good or bad? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And honestly, you know, I love um, having someone like you on the podcast where we can talk about this because um, starting a business is hard. It's not all yeah. sunshine and rainbows, especially in those sure. early, in those yeah. early years. And when it gets hard, I just think like, if I just don't quit, it'll work out. And yeah. I have God on my side and I know he wants me to succeed. And I say, God, I want to be able to serve you later in life. And I don't want to have to worry about money. So like, I'm going to keep pushing, just yeah. help guide me and help me. And it's, Man. it's a comforting thing. Yeah. I, I tell you what I have seen, like everybody always talks about, oh, how I made six figures in six days and stuff. I'm like, I can tell you how I lost six figures in, in six minutes. You know what I mean? I've had horror stories happen on this online world. Facebook changes the algorithm oh, policies yeah. changes, you know, I, I've had clients that were running ads for, and they're making millions of dollars. And all of a sudden Facebook changes the policy and their offer is dead in the water. They can't do anything. And so I've seen that. I've seen Facebook ban accounts. I've seen all of the horrible stuff. And so there, and it still happens. It yeah. still happens, you know, it, things like that. But this is what, what I, I have to do is I have to take a step back. There's that initial stress like, Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, you know, and you, you, you panic. And then I just say, you know what? We're going to figure it out. We've made it this far. We overcome the, the last time they changed something or just something. So, you know, we'll figure it out. And, and, and my faith and trust and, and confidence in God is, I always know that God has my best interests. 
You know what I mean? Some sometimes rejection is protection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes sometimes when it doesn't work out, it's to protect you from if it did work out. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Well, you know, you've been super generous with your time and your wisdom and advice. And I thank you so much for that. Um, I just have two more questions for you sure. and then we'll wrap it up here. Um, this is a new question that I want to ask because myself and others, um, oftentimes, you know, I'm asking questions from my point of view and what I sure. see, right? And so um, from your point of view and what you've learned in your experience, what do you feel like people believe that they shouldn't or that people don't know that they shouldn't yeah. or that they should? Yeah. So I, I do think in every industry, every industry that our mindset, what we believe as far as mentally can really make us or break us. And one of the worst things that you can have is this scarcity mindset that everybody's your competitor and just like you got to hold on to this i had that when i first got started you know probably for several years i i what i was doing i was very like i wanted to hide this because i didn't want someone to take my clients i didn't want you know people to know my secrets and i was just very insecure in it because i had this scarcity mindset and when you realize that there's not a lack of money, there's not a lack of clients, there's not a lack of, you know, people that are ready to work with you, you just have to find them, you just have to align yourself where it's at. You know, again, people are talking things like recession and, and stuff. And it just like, people get so fearful. It's not like money's disappearing. The money's still there. You just have to be able to move to where it's going. You know what I mean? So, you know, work with this abundant, you know, abundant life, abundant mindset that there isn't, you know, a, a limit in resources or, or things that are necessary for your success. You just have to align yourself to where it can be found. Wow. That is very sound advice because I know a lot of, young entrepreneurs struggle with that. And I, I, uh, have and do struggle with that. So that's good sure. advice. Um, last question, my favorite question of all, what does the fight against mediocrity mean to you? Uh, do it whether you want to or not. I mean, that's they, to be successful. You're going to have to do a lot of stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. You don't feel like doing, you know, you would rather not do, but you just do it because you know, it needs to be done. You know what I mean? It's just like, if man, if 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 I uh only did stuff that I wanted to do, I'd still be in bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't want to get out of bed. There's like um uh, so I, I think that you have to have a discipline that just says I do it whether I feel like doing it or not. I mean, you got the work, you got you gotta have the discipline. Um you know, there's going to be things that you can say no to because you don't feel like doing it, but you got to have some absolutes in your life. Like I'm doing it, whether I feel like it or not. And, um, it's like, there's, there's some things should be like brushing your teeth. I mean, you do it, whether you feel like doing it or not, you know what I mean? You breathe and you do it, whether you feel like it or not, you just, you just do it because you know, putting in the work is going to pay off in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have some, you know, rituals, routines, or habits that are those non-negotiables for you every day? 
Yeah. So number, number one, I'm up early. I'm up at five o'clock. You know, I have my morning devotions of uh, praying, reading the word, and then I hit the gym. So those are, that's, and I do do all of that within the first, you know, three to four hours in the morning. It just sets, sets my day. And, And then I, you know, I'll have days that my, my workflow is built out. Like I'm doing this, this, and this, you know, these meetings, like I have certain days that it's, it's meetings day. And I have certain days that it's content day and stuff, okay. but, but yeah, I, you know, I have that, that morning routine. I, I do all kinds of other little health things and stuff like that, but I believe taking care of the temple, taking care of yourself in heart, physical mind, spiritually, it just sets the tone for success. Yep. Mind, body, spirit. You, you can't replace them. You gotta and when you have going. one, like if, if you're sick physically, it's hard to be successful. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You, it, it, when, when your mind is messed up, it's hard to be successful. When, when your spirit, your soul is messed up, it's hard to be successful. So you do have to have those three, you know, aligned. Non-negotiables. And, yeah. you know, it's funny because not funny, but if any one of those three were out of balance enough, someone would trade all their wealth to get it back into flow. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love that, man. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being on the podcast today. Um, I hope everyone received a ton of value for those who want to follow you. What's the best way to do it, man? The best way Instagram, my Instagram handle is Paul, just P A U L. And, um, I tell you what I have, I just this book isn't for everybody, but I just recently put this book together. It's all, it's called Solomon success code. It is a 31 day success devotional based upon the book of Proverbs. So there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. If you go through each chapter, I kind of take a nugget out of each chapter of how, you know, um, there's principles of success in the book of Proverbs. If you go to nerdpaul.com. Um, enter your information there. We'll make sure you get a free copy of it. Oh, that's so kind of you. That's awesome. One of my goals is to get Kevin on Instagram. I, I'll, I'll, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's going to be possible for you, but good luck. <laughs> I agree. Hey, well, thank you so much, Paul. Hey, thanks a lot, Kevin. Have a blessed day. Man, on a mission, I'm a kid, you know I be on a way.